Am I on? Oh, yep, I am on. Where's my clock at? Are we on? On? Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. That was rude. If you're joining us online, we're uh, glad you're with us. And I was trying to find the little countdown clock, and I lost track of it. I guess when time's up, it goes away. That's why I couldn't find it. So uh, I was just uh, trying to get over taking offense to something Wayne t told me. If Frank laughed at too hard, and it was the fact that how do how does a I'll say it my way if I'm saying it right. How does a pastor sermon and biscuits, what do they have in common? What was that? I already forgot the punchline. A little shortening makes it a whole lot better. Wayne la or Frank laughed too hard at that. I took offense to that. So just because of Frank, we're going to go, and we won't. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, wasting our time here. Uh, again, if you're joining us online, thank you for being here. We're glad you're here. Say hi. Richard's uh, always online there to be a blessing. But uh, bottom right-hand corner is a prayer tab we always want to mention. Let us be a blessing to you. We want to be praying for you and with you. Uh, if you click on that, fill out your prayer request. It's private, secure. It only goes to one source. It's not shared or broadcast. So you have privacy, but uh, let us know how we could be praying for you. And uh, any questions, uh, Richard can get those answered for you and uh, be a blessing to you. So we will continue tonight. Uh, we'll still journey in here through Ephesians. And so uh, we're going to pick up in uh, verse 17 of chapter 4. If you remember last week, uh, Paul emphasized uh, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, to, they're talking to the church of Ephesus that basically the, he surmised in verses 14 and 15 that, you know, we got to grow up. And, of course, Ephesus was a very young church, young Christians. But that's the same for us today in a lot of ways. Uh, we, we find believers in different uh, parts of their walk. Uh, some are still in the adolescent. Some are in, uh, uh, you know, adulthood. Some are still even infants. And so, uh, you know, we, we got to be careful. So while we need and we're challenged to grow up, it's, not, it's unfair to give an infant steak, would it not? That wouldn't work out very good, would it? And so if, they're, if they are an infant spiritually, we got to make sure they're getting fed properly and in a way that they can, you know, continue to grow. But overall, we're called to grow up. Well, tonight, picking up in verse 17, it is a very exciting passage because Paul gives us a very, again, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a, a very encouraging thought process. And what that is, is one, Paul emphasizes that we are no longer slaves to the law. We're no longer underneath the bondage of the law. And, and of course, the law tripped up Israel over and over. Now, it's not an excuse, you know. And uh, I'm sure we would have stumbled on some of the same things. But they, you know, just as they were accountable, we would have been accountable. And, and while today we still are overall accountable to the law, meaning commandments, but unlike Israel, we're not underneath the bondage of the law. 
And Paul emphasizes that we get to live and walk through grace. That's a big difference. The law itself is burdensome. You know, Jeremiah 31, 31, it talked about that uh, the, the new covenant I will give you. The original covenant was written on stones, literally talking about the Ten Commandments, engraved by God's hand. And then, of course, others added to it in the Old Testament. But then he says, I've given you a new covenant, which is engraved on man's heart. So, it, it, and, and that's where grace comes in. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight and it's very freeing. It should be very encouraging to us. So let's pray real quick, and we'll walk through this and, uh, and uh, discern some truth here. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. I ask that you anoint every word that's spoken tonight in your word, that it can uh, just resonate in our heart, that we can grow in the grace that you uh, provide for us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So let's look here. And we'll start in, in, uh, in verse uh, 17, if we could. I think I told Mark 15, but we can jump on down and start in 17. And I apologize. I thought I had my phone off. Uh, I apologize. Bear with me. Thank you. So here in verse uh, 17. Now this I say in testifying the Lord, Paul speaking here, that you must no longer, no longer walk as what? Gentiles do. Now, first of all, now we know Paul was sent to minister to who? Gentile. So in context here, when Paul uses the word Gentiles in a general statement like this, he's not talking down or judging the Gentiles. This is a generic or a slang term. This would be here, uh, we could read it, no longer walk as the unbelievers do or as the heathens do. So he's not attacking the Gentiles because were there not saved Gentiles in the church of Ephesus? Yeah, a lot of them, probably more Gentiles than Jews. So he's not attacking the Gentiles. He's just for clarity. He's talking about the unsaved, uh, you know, non-brethren. Okay, so no longer walk as we can say the world does in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated, from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them. Remember that old saying, you know, what you don't know can't hurt you? Oof, that's so far from the truth, <laughs> especially when it comes to spirituality and your, you know, your maturity and your walk. To say, you know, I don't know, I just don't know that. I just love Jesus. I know he accepted, you know, me. I'm going to heaven. That's the only thing I worry about. Well, that approach, that ignorance towards God's word it will eventually become very detrimental to you. That's why it's important to be in God's Word and to study God's Word and try to grasp God's Word through the Holy Spirit it's because ignorance will harm them due to the hardness of their heart. So let me add this here. Is there anything in your life, can you describe something, a parent, a teacher, close friend, a uh, pseudo mom and dad, however you want to say it, that taught you something or you picked up traits or something that you emulate them does that make sense that was kind of wordy there is there anybody who had such an influence that you you grasp to a thought process behavior they had personality or, or maybe it's just little nuances that you do that that they did does anybody have anything like that nobody 
Wow, there you go. Okay, so influence your boldness in Christ and brought it out. So, you know, I think if we would all put thought to it, we could probably come up to people in our lives that we can look back and see that we picked up traits or things in their life that we emulate, you know, for the good. And, uh, but here's the point. And when we look at Paul here, there's something that makes all of us different, is there not? Yeah, we're all different in our own way, uh, especially if you're a follower of Christ. Are we not called to be a peculiar people? You know, the, you know, the, you think of the church. When, when, when Christ talks about the church, there's different aspects. There's the specific church, like when Paul wrote his epistles, like here to, to Ephesians and to Philippians and Colossians. Paul's writing, and when he talks about the church in those letters, he's talking about the, a specific church, the church of Philippi, the church of Colossians, church of Ephesus here. But then also in Scriptures, we see God talk about the church family, the church body, the, 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 the brotherhood and sisterhood of being believers. And so in one sense, while we're all different, a lot of ways we're not different. But because when you think of the word church, when, think of this. I, I'm, I'm really chasing rabbits here. In, in Matthew, can't think of the chapter, but remember when he made the statement to Peter, Peter's statement of faith. He says, upon your statement of faith, I will build my Church. Now, was he talking about a specific church or the church? The church. Now, I can't think of that. I think the Greek word there is dago or dago, dago, something like that. And it's where we get the word ecclesia. Well, the word ecclesia means called, ones called out or called ones. So if you accept Christ and you become part of the ecclesia, the body of Christ, then you have been called out. Called out from what? Well, back when Paul said in verse 17, from being like the Gentiles, don't do as the Gentiles do. We've been called away. We've been called to be, be a peculiar people, a salt and light of the earth, to speak you know, with the boldness to what Christ has done. And so why there's a lot of things we emulate as Christians, we got to understand we want to make sure we're only emulating one specific thing. And this is what Paul's going to point out to us, and we're going to look at tonight. And uh, so, again, he's not criticizing the Gentiles. He's talking in reference to the world and uh, non-believers. Now, in, in Proverbs 16, 18, it tells us, pride cometh before what? Oh, pride come, comes before the fall. You know, man is very apt at setting himself up to fall, is he not? Yeah, we're pretty good of causing ourselves to stumble. Now, we live in a culture today, we're quick to point fingers at other people that cause it, are we not? Well, they did that and it caused me. Well, they may have done that, but does that mean you have to stumble over it? If there's a pothole, do you have to hit it? You know? Or like, well, I'm not going to pick on anybody in particular. Some people you want to say, I think we need to circle the block and come back. I think you missed one. You know, it's kind of like we're, <laughs> well, you don't, <laughs> we don't want to live life like that. Just because we see potholes, we, we're not obligated to stay on that path and then complain about the potholes. You hit the potholes in most cases because you're not what? You're not paying attention. You're, you're not giving attention to what you should be giving attention to. And you get caught up in the pothole. 
So man's very apt to set himself up for the fall. In Judges 17, we see Israel do this time and time again. Matter of fact, I think it's one, two, three times Israel, after they, you know, first time they got, they found their prosperity. God's blessings were upon them. He led them. They set themselves up. They built themselves up into prosperity. And the more they prospered, then the less they needed God. Does that sound familiar? And then they would turn their back on God, and then God couldn't get their attention. God would send prophets. They wouldn't adhere to the prophets. Then God would bring, you know, Assyria or Egypt or eventually Rome down upon them and put them into bondage for, you know, 300, 400 years until the remnant started crying out. God would have mercy on them, deliver them, get them back on the feet, get them going. They start being obedient and in that obedience they start growing again in prosperity and three times israel got back into prosperity and didn't need a king anymore that's why three times in judges it talks about they you know israel had no king and they did that which was right in their own eyes i don't need a king I know what I'm doing. Look what, look what I built. Look at me. I know, what I, I know how to live my life. I know how to take care of myself. And they relegate Jesus or God to, a gen, you know, to just that genie in the bottle. That When I do get in the jam, though, I know where you're at, God. But for the most part, I don't need a king. I think where we are today, America, nobody in the history of the world has been as prosperous as the United States of America. You understand, if you're, if you're on welfare in America, you know globally you're still something like in the top 20-something percent of the population in income and resources. On, on, prosper, I mean, on welfare in America, you're wealthy in a lot of countries. So when our poorest of the poor, you know, so that's how prosperous America is. And, and now here we are in 2024, it's hard to say that we have a king that we, deter, we turn to. America doesn't need a king. I'm not talking about a president. I'm talking about the king of kings. We don't need God. We got it going on here. We're brats. We're elites. We're educated. We're wealthy. We're powerful. We can take down nations. We don't need God. It's a dangerous time for America. You can see it in the, in the confusion. You can see it in the chaos. You can see it in the disunity. You can see it in the hatred because we're fighting over uh, opinions. We're not fighting over truth. You ever seen Congress or politicians or think tanks interviews on a platform arguing about doctrine? No, they're, they're arguing about social programs and social welfare and cultural laws and, and gender neutrality. They're arguing over things that aren't even important to argue over. Because they, they're so far past God, they don't need God. We'll make, we'll make all the laws we need to take care of ourselves. It's the same thing Israel did. It didn't work out for Israel. 
And if you look at our culture today, trying to live without a king of kings, how's that working out for us as a culture? Not working out at all. It shouldn't surprise us. Let's go back in verse 18 again. I think it's where it started. And Paul's description about when he says, don't be like the Gentiles, look what he points out. Look at some of these things and see if these traits you see or if you think they're prevalent in our culture today. He talks about vain thought. Don't have vain thought. Maybe it's back in verse 17, but it says, you know, vanity of thought. He says, dark understanding because of ignorance. Separated from God by ignorance. Blind or hardened hearts, he talks about. The draw of sexuality. Greed. How descriptive are these things in our culture today? Oh, they're so prevalent today. Look what he says in verses 20 and 23. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in who? Jesus. There's our truth. How much better would this country be if, if Congress assembled and had an issue and they searched out the truth to pass the next law? What kind of type of shape would be, we be in today? The truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. And, the, and because of that, we're to put off what? Yeah, former life, our old self, which belongs to who? To your old nature. Not Christ who saved us. Except we become a new creature in Christ. In Christ. We are not to bring our old nature with us, and a lot of believers, Christians, do that. We want to hold on or, or, or we want to stay clothed in our old nature. That's why this right here, this verse right here, is a transformational aspect of somebody not receiving transformation in Christ. Does that make sense? So many Christians, so many believers miss out on transformation into Christ-likeness because they try to walk in to this relationship with Christ out of, you know, not with religion, walk into a relationship and they want to stay clothed in their old nature. Well, I'll do, I'll, I'll do anything the you know, preacher says from the Bible. I'll do anything as long as I don't have to change the way I do things. You know, I, I've witnessed to many people over the years that would not accept Christ. And you say, well, when I, when I, you know, get tired of, you know, my, you know, doing drugs, or I get tired of drinking, or I get tired of chasing women, then I'll, I'll come back and talk to you. They don't want to put off their old self. They want to hold on to their nature instead of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But this word put off, put off the old and put on the new, this word put off is a Greek word, apothomai, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. There's a phonetic form right there. Uh, so however you want to pronounce that. But this Greek word means to throw away, toss aside, get rid of. In some extended translations, it literally means to burn. Maybe like if you ever got sprayed by a skunk, you know, 
strip down out in the field, take your clothes off, you do whatever you can do, tomatoes you swear, burn the clothes. You ain't putting those in the washing machine. You know, you burn them. Put off your old clothes. Paul's telling us, say, look, you're a new creature in Christ. We've got to put off these old things. Don't do as the Gentiles do. All of our truth lies in Christ. All of our freedom lies in Christ. So we're responsible for this new you. Or who's responsible for this new you? This new attitude. This ecclesia church. The, these called out ones. Who's responsible for this renewing? Is it us or is it God? Well, let's look what it says in verse 24. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God is the true righteousness and holiness. It's God that brings this about. It's not us trying to redefine our personality, our character. It's like, you know what, I, I, I kind of like the Paul guy. He's got some pretty cool stories. I'm going to... I'm going to start mirroring myself after Paul. No. Not Paul, not any of the disciples, not Jeremiah, not Moses, not Samuel. No, like Christ. We're a new creature in Christ, in Christ alone. This is where our attitude should be. It isn't us waking up one morning and saying, you know what? I'll probably listen to that pastor, what he says. I, I, I guess I do need to find myself a new attitude. No, we, we don't go searching for a new attitude. Our new creation's in Christ. That's our new attitude. Put off the old nature and take on the characteristics of Christ. It's a one-stop shop. It's not going to the spiritual store and, and, and picking out a, a wardrobe of what we want to be. No, it's one wardrobe. Be like Christ. Look what it tells us in Romans 12, too. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the Gentiles. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. There it is right there. This put off and put on is, is, a, is a spiritual, mental process. It's have this mind in you which is also in Christ Jesus, the Scripture tells us. So it's a change of our thought process. It's a change of our behavior. So Paul drives this point home with clarity by addressing what our character ought to be. Look what it says in verses 25 through 29. Therefore, having put away what? Yeah, falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Did it say, does the scriptures ever say, don't be angry? When do you think the scriptures never tell us not to be angry? Ever thought about that? When do you think the scriptures nowhere says, don't be angry, Todd? One, is it possible not to ever be angry? No. You're going to be angry. Did not Christ turn over the money tables? Don't you think he was a little riled up? Don't you think they pushed, pushed him to the limit, so to speak? 
but did he sin in the process? So, it says be angry. God never says be happy with everything that happens to you. He just says just don't. Yeah, don't let it turn into a sin. Don't respond with anger. Don't act out in anger. So be angry, just do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Resolve it. Take it to prayer. Address brother to brother, sisters to sister. And give no opportunity to the devil. Because that's what staying angry does. It just allows Satan to get a foothold in in relationships and marriages and friendships. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give what? Grace. Grace to those that hear. So Paul says, look, we got to get rid of this falsehood and we got to start speaking truth. Truth and love. Anger? Hey, you're going to be angry. You just got to learn not to sin in your anger. Get rid of dishonest efforts. I was telling the guys in the lobby, I saw a post online being tax season. It says, I'm looking for a good tax attorney that's not afraid of prison. And he was like, <laughs> You know, you know, operate honest. Work by the sweat of your brow. What you earn, you earn. But be honest. Be fair in trade. Have, you know, Jesus' time, have the balances right. Is that why he turned over the money tables? Their balance wasn't fair. They were cheating people, taking advantage. So be honest in your efforts. Get rid of unwholesome talk. If it does not edify Christ, if it does not help lift somebody else up in the, in the nurturing grace and mercy of Christ, don't say it. Now, there's just general small talk sitting around the table drinking coffee, having fun. What I'm talking about, don't get into conversations such as slander, gossip, judgment. Get rid of that stuff. What did you, what, everyone was having a grandmother, and what did our grandmother tell us about talking? Come on, we know it. If you don't have, yeah, don't say anything at all. That's if you had a nice grandmother. <laughs> if you had some of those country grandmothers, it may have came out a different way from them, but same thing. If you have anything good to say, don't say it at all. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. So here's where we begin to see the way grace takes shape. Just within these four challenges, we have, we have a front half and we have a front half. We have a front half that's tied to the old ways to law. Thou shalt not do this. But that's not the way Paul's telling us to approach it. Paul says, look, put that off. Put off the bondage and the burdens of the law. And, and, and don't not do things just to find favor with God. No, put on the new nature in Christ. Become clothed in Christ, and that way then you respond in the grace that God gave you, which is the freedom to love just like God loves. 
the way Christ loves us. But we can't approach God's Word with our old nature and just trying to hold to the law. Oh, man, I did it again. I got angry and I said what I don't want to say. No, get rid of that old nature. Quit trying to just do right so God will smile upon you. No, take on the image of Christ. Bear the character of Christ. So just like Christ offered you and I grace and mercy and his love, saved us, not that we can save others, but can we not through the same love expose and edify Christ to that same grace and mercy that others need? Yeah. That's a freedom we have. It's the opposite approach. You know, I mean, think of, you know, the falsehoods, avoiding falsehoods, but speaking truth in every situation. Look what it says in Ephesians 4.15. We, we I skipped over it the first, but rather speaking the what? Truth in love. We are to grow up in every way to him who is the head of Christ. So when we choose to speak truth, are we not learning, one, to emulate Christ, but are we, two, not learning to grow up? What's one of the first things kids learn to do? Lie. Do they have to be taught how to lie? Did you ever have to sit one of your kids down? I'm really surprised. You're not very good at this. Let me show you. This is how you lie and get out of things. No, they learn that all on their own. Why? Because it's immaturity. It's avoiding accountability. It's wanting it their way. Do what they want to do. When they get caught, then lie their way out of it. Well, we do the same thing as immature Christians. We want to live as if we don't need a king. We want to live as what's right in our own eyes. We want to maintain our own nature. We want to live our way. And while we may not flat out lie, which we still do sometimes, we, we start telling ourselves and others in our lives, we start operating in all the gray areas of truth. And we, you know, narrate the story towards a little bit different, paint in a little bit different light. Why? Because we want to avoid the same accountability as adults as we did when we were kids. No, speak it in truth. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture, is that not truth? All Scripture? All Scripture is breathed out by God. So if you're speaking Scripture in truth, are you not sharing the Word of God with anybody and everybody? Yeah, obviously, straightforward. And when you do so, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God, that'd be you or me, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when we choose to speak this truth, this is just one of the things Paul's talking about. Get rid of the falsehood. Use the Word of God to, one, to mirror yourself after Christ and your new nature, your new creation, putting on the new you in Christ. Speak God's Word in love. And use it for proper correction, reproof, training, teaching others how to put on this new nature, this new creature in Christ.
Look what it says in Psalms 37, 8, and 9. I like this. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit, shall prosper. You can read it in the King James. That's in the ESV. Up there in the King James, it says, will find their hope. That's hard to do this day and time. We got family members. Sometimes we have spouses. We're good at pushing each other's buttons. We're good at making sure we get hurt, in my opinion, stated. But we're also bad about when our opinion is not accepted or taken or followed. Then that's when the anger comes out. Then we lose hope. We get frustrated. And we sin in response. So... The Christian life is not about following rules. This is what Paul's trying to tell us. It's not about following rules. We don't do things so that God will accept us. We do things, obviously, because he first loved us. And when we do these things that Paul's pointing out, these character traits, then we're putting off our old and putting on the new. And that new is the image of Christ. Okay, we'll close with verse 30 here. I think it's the last verse. And do not, what? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We read this, you know, this should be a personal response to this verse right here. Don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Don't grieve their, His Spirit. We can li literally grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, just like when you get another call, text, problem your kid comes with, and, and when you're kind of up to here with them or it, and, and you hear another thing, and your first internal response is just like, <sighs> again, and we've all been there. We have kids. And then it starts going through your mind. Why won't they listen to what I say? I told them that was going to happen. I knew this would happen if they did that. And then you, now you're going into anger. Now you're like, okay, you know. But we do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. When we act in untruthfulness, when we respond in anger, when we're dishonest, all these things that Paul listed, he said, don't be careful. Because the Holy Spirit's in, up in heaven going, oh, Todd. Hey, Jesus, you're about to hear from Todd. Because once I convict him, then he's going to come running back to you. I know we're having a little fun there, but we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to live, we want to live in the new self that God's created us for, what God's created us to be. Let's go all the way back. I don't know, did I give you Ephesians 1.14? Let's go all the way back. One of our very first verses. 
it tells us who is our guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's our, he's our earnest deposit that God gifted us with, that the Holy Spirit came and dwelled within us is that deposit, that, that seal, that, that just waiting for the, your, your day of death. It's like your day in the attorney's office and your will is read and you get to cash in. We don't want to abuse that. We don't want to grieve it. The only thing we have to do is put off the old nature. This is, and this is a, a great encouragement to Paul. Hey, we're not stuck underneath the law anymore. We don't have to worry about doing all these to-do lists to find favor with God so we can lift up prayers and they get answered. No, live in the freedom of Christ. Start taking on this new nature. Start, start emulating Christ through scriptures and see how, what Christ taught. And control your nature, your character, because we have control over that. Nobody makes us respond a certain way. Nobody makes us do anything we don't want to do. We choose our actions. I'm always praying that the Holy Spirit will subdue my flesh. Either, I, either every morning I say, Holy Spirit, subdue my flesh, or usually I try to say, conquer my flesh. Overcome me. Let your power flow through me. Fill my vessel. Sharpen me as your kingdom tool. I pray this every morning. Because I need it every morning. I have to put off that old nature every single morning. Sometimes every, in moments. When you get a text, when you get a phone call, Holy Spirit, subdue me. Empower me. Don't let me respond in my old nature, my old clothes. I've already put those off. I can't put them on. If I step out of my new clothes, I'm just naked. I don't have any old clothes to go put on. Stay clothed in the grace of Christ. He's redeemed us. He's sealed us. When he saved us, he's given us a robe of righteousness. Think of that. Pure, pure white robe of righteousness. We just need to wear that every day. Respond in that every day. Walk in that every day. That's our freedom. Amen? Thoughts, questions, comments? Nobody, nothing? All righty. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you so much for your word and, and uh, speaking through Paul that we can just grasp this new nature we have. That we, uh, we don't just look at it from the outside, that we clothe ourselves in it and, uh, and just embody who you are and your traits. We've all, again, as we said, we've all been influenced by somebody that, that we, we mimic them in some way. And it doesn't mean it was bad, but we need to 
make sure we're being influenced by you, that we're mimicking you, we're taking on your nature, your character, your likeness, i.e. Christ-like. And we do that by clothing ourselves in your righteousness. And with that, we get the freedom. We get the freedom to, to, to walk in truth and stand in truth and talk in truth, knowing that it corrects and offers reproof and, and teaching, and, and it's helpful. It's good. It's good for us. It's good for those around us that we can share your love and your grace with them. Father, help us just to mirror you in every way we can. Holy Spirit, subdue, uh, suppress, whatever word we want to use, our flesh. Overcome us, fill our vessels, empower us that we can walk and talk and stand in the image of Christ. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.